Welcome to Refirement Life, the podcast for anyone navigating life transitions or planning to make life transitions to ensure your next years are your best years. Listen in for insightful, generous, and sometimes humorous conversation. It's time to get fired up with Christine Zamuda and Muge Wood, your hosts for this latest episode of Refirement Life. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Refirement Life. I'm your host, Christine Zamuda, with my co-host, Muge Wood. We had a couple weeks off, so we are back in the saddle, and we've got an exciting episode for you today. Today, we're going to be meeting with Robert Frankel, a abstract artist and good friend. We are entitling this uh, episode Uh, Basically, we're going to call it Exploring the Canvas of All That Life Has to Offer. Like many of our guests, uh, Robbie has transitioned from a uh, more traditional um, uh, work career to becoming an artist for the last uh, 20 years, right? And we will be learning more about his transition, what he's doing now. But before we get started with Robbie, we're just going to have a a couple reflections from the last few weeks. Uh, Muge, we're getting ready for the holidays. How are you feeling? It's good to be back and uh, looking forward to our conversation today with Robbie. So um, holidays as usual for me is a mix of joy and anxiety. Um, And I am finding new ways to get more joy out of it other than anxiety, all the logistics of presents and food and uh, gatherings, etc. that are joyful, but also can be anxiety inducing. And um, I am uh, constantly refining how I approach holidays. And this year I may have a little breakthrough where Um, I find that going on a vacation before the holidays can be a good way to fuel up, uh, relax and energize. Um, And this year, um, my husband and I just returned from an awesome vacation to Puerto Rico and the Caribbean um, in celebration of our 30th wedding anniversary. So that was a fantastic time. Um, And I'm finding that it really helps to kind of relax, calm down, energize and sort of fuel up before um, as we would a major event. So this may have to be a tradition. Um, The other thing is um, this year, I really wanted to honor my uh, kids' wishes on how they want to spend the holidays. My two college uh, age sons, uh, we typically um, always take a Christmas vacation with the family, go somewhere, islands or some someplace nice, um, because that seems to be the only time calendars line up. And this year, my kids specifically asked to stay at home. They said uh, they have a little time they spend at home. They would rather spend uh, the time at home. Uh, and not have to travel and uh, would rather prefer um, doing things together as a family in Houston, which is where we live. I said, well, that's awesome. So then I went straight into that. And now we have um, a couple of tickets to um, college basketball and uh, football games uh, in town. We are going to go see some holiday lights. Um, So that actually took the stress out of all the travel and transport and logistics and, and that all comes with it uh, so I'm looking forward to it um so um I think um I think I'm in a I'm in a good place now well now that we have uh, more direction and more relaxed direction uh, in terms of what we are gonna do the last uh, two weeks of December 
That's awesome. Well, congratulations on your wedding anniversary. 30 years is a huge accomplishment. Thank you. And I think you're approaching the holidays the right way. And good, good on your kids, too, to just, like, raise their hands and say, look, we'd like to just chill out. Uh, yes. stay, stay together as a family. And I, you know, I'm kind of in the same situation. I'm the oldest of four girls and all my family is in West Palm beach every year. Uh, and Paul and I have been together 28 years. So every year, but one, we had one COVID year where we didn't go home. I, you know, brought my two kids, all the presents for everyone, for them, you know, it's just, it's chaos and have done that for forever. And this year I just, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. And I think probably because um, first I'm retired, I have more flexibility on when I can travel. So it's not dependent on, Hey, this is Christmas and you, and you need to be with your family. I can go in February, I can go for longer. And I gave myself permission to not go this year. And I did feel a little guilty because it's a huge tradition for us. Um, But my situation with my older kids. My daughter just moved away out of the area for the first time. I get her for five days when she comes at the holidays. My son's in college and just having the core four together, you know, like you said, in a way where selfishly, I don't want to share them with everyone else because I (laughs) I don't get them as, as often. Right. So that's what we're going to do. I think that was just a, a better way, like you said, to kind of give yourself permission to celebrate a different way, release the tension and anxiety and just be present for, for this, this holiday. So doing that, um, the other thing that I decided not to do this year, and I do this almost religiously every year is do holiday cards. And it, it, it was just a lot of another, like, it's another thing to do. Everybody knows how I feel about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not going to miss one year. And instead, I, I, what I did, and we always adopt a family, but I said, instead of spending that money, let's put more into the adopt the family. Like, let's do something for someone else that's, you know, easy, also easy to execute on. We've got this great group who organizes for 30 families here locally, you know, groceries, um, the, the things on the kids' Christmas list. Hopefully, there's a few things for the parents, too, because, you know, times are tough and they should be be recognized and they organize it all in an Amazon gift registry. And it's really easy to just, you know, click, Hey, these are the things that you'd like to help someone else out with. I will put that link in my show notes for anyone who's listening, because um, we still obviously um, have a lot to cover with, you know, so many people in need. And again, it was a way that, gave me permission to do something different in a way that makes me feel better about that decision. That sounds uh, terrific. And uh, I may actually come over now, now yeah. that you established where you're going to be, uh, it could be your core family of four plus me. So um, that, uh, that sounds, uh, that sounds terrific. And I think it's just so important to listen to ourselves. We talk a lot about being our authentic selves, uh, how we show up and uh, how we show up for holidays. Um, it's a good opportunity to practice that. I'm excited to hear um, about your holiday plans. That sounds really nice. 
Yeah, I think we're going to do one overnight to New York City because we're so close. And that is just so fun this time that of is, year. That is just so fun. I'm expecting to see a lot of uh, glitter, sparkle and pictures out of that trip. That sounds <laughs> yes. uh, that sounds very nice. That sounds very yes, nice. Yes, yes. So with that, I think we're ready to bring Robbie Frankel on. Hello, Robbie. Thank you hey for there. joining. <laughs> sure. So Robbie and I met recently at a at the Superfine Art Fair. We had the good fortune of being uh, having our booths right across from each other. So over the course of four days, we got to know each other really well and really uh, enjoyed just um, first learning from you. I mean, Robbie is a very accomplished artist. He was super helpful to uh, myself and my business partner as we were navigating the show and learning more about you know how things are run. And more importantly, I got to see Robbie's art over the the uh, course of the four days and saw people interact with him and um, just really enjoy uh, enjoy his creations and his paintings. So, Robbie, tell um, our audience a little bit about your uh, background, maybe a little bit about you professionally as an artist and also personally. Well, I started out as uh, an artist in the third grade. I used to, I didn't, <laughs> I never wore my glasses to school and I could never see the blackboard. So I used to bring colored pencils and the whole, my whole school career up until sophomore year of high school, I would just doodle in the book. I would do my homework at night and I try to figure it out and I would spend the class time making pictures. Wow. And, and those <laughs> pictures that I was making starting in the third grade aren't really a lot different than what I'm painting now. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. And and did you, I mean, were you getting in trouble for creating art? No, I would just kind of space out and be making art all <laughs> class time. And um, by the time I graduated high school, I, you know, was a pretty decent artist. I probably mm -hmm. missed a little bit on the school end, but it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you did have a career also before the art. So tell us about that. What was that like? And, and what did you do in, there in the Chicago area? Uh, I started out in the uh, real estate finance business. And every day I had to put a suit and tie on and try to arrange financing for hotels and office buildings. And I worked for this big company. And at the end of the second year, I really got tired of wearing a suit and tie, and I started showing up first with a sport coat and then with some a sweater. And I was getting comments from some of the partners there that I needed to be a little more professional. And <laughs> I finally, mutual decision between me and the people I work for, this just wasn't working out. So I stopped that, and one of the partners there um, invested with me. I was always interested in real estate development. And we bought a warehouse near the downtown of Chicago and rehabbed it and turned it into an office building. And that worked out pretty well. And then we kept on going. And I think we had about 12 or 13 um, old industrial buildings that we rehabbed, mostly into um, office space and workspace type of stuff. And then I fell in love, got married, and my wife was uh, doing a residency, a medical residency in Boston. And I sold everything out to my partner and moved to Boston for two years, really a, a year and a half, and worked in Boston for a 
a non-for-profit group that helped um, people develop housing, low-income people find uh, develop housing. Um, I kind of got tired of that after about a year and a half, and my wife still had a year left, so I moved back alone to Chicago, and she spent her final year in Boston. And then I hooked up with uh, someone I knew, and we started buying more industrial properties near the downtown. And this was a time when uh, real estate was taking off and people were moving back to downtown and lofts were really popular. And we started rehabbing buildings and turning them into loft space. And we kept growing and growing. And um, we built our company up to about 25 people. And things were going really well. And I was having a lot of fun. And then 2007 hit. Mm -hmm. That was the mortgage crisis. Mm -hmm. And um, interest rates went up. And nobody could buy condos anymore. And I was, I just, I finished a big project and I was starting another big project and the bottom fell out and um, the business collapsed. Mm -hmm. And luckily for me, I was able to somehow squirrel away about half of the money I made. And I was trying to figure out what to do. And then, and, and I also hated commuting because I would be driving an hour each way downtown to work. Sometimes when it was snowing, it would be an hour and a half to two hours. And I wanted to be near my home. I lived I live in the suburbs of Chicago in a town called Wilmette. And during that time, uh, the real estate business was in crisis. Uh, banks were foreclosing on stuff. And I figured what kind of job could I get where I didn't have to drive and I could actually make money. <laughs> So, that sounds like a great combination. We all are generally always looking for. That's that's good. <laughs> Can't wait to hear this one. Yeah. So I kind of looked around and banks were foreclosing on single family homes. Like uh, the whole uh, housing market was in flux and single family homes were the one area where rental rates were going up because there was people were getting foreclosed out of their house and they had to live somewhere. And um, mortgage rates were actually going way down because there was no demand for money because nobody was borrowing. So I started buying single family homes out of foreclosure and things were kind of going well there. It was really easy to rent. I was getting good tenants and I kind of drew a circle around my house and didn't want to buy anything that was more than a 10 minute drive. So, because besides, besides rehabbing the houses and managing them, I, you know, I had to go there and fix stuff and do stuff. And um, so I don't know what got into me, but I got it up to about 30 houses. And I was going crazy. I was working seven days a week and I was rehabbing and managing and getting calls all the time. And it was too much. Um, luckily, at that time, my kids were out of the house and I didn't have to worry about my kids. I had one kid still at the house, but it was, I have three kids. So I had two out of three out of the house. Um, so I wound up over time um, selling about a third of them. I still have about two thirds of them. And um, one day I was, it was in the middle of the winter and it was about 20 degrees out. And I was at a job site in a house and it was about 10 degrees inside. 
and I was waiting for an electrician and I decided, why am I doing this? This is really stupid. I don't need the money anymore. And you know, I'm done. This is miserable. This is miserable. <laughs> you had a, you had a literal you had a literal brain freeze. I had a brain. So I'm going to be an artist. So I, I stopped expanding. I I told you I sold about a third of what I had, and um, then I decided to become a full time artist. My kind of thing I really loved doing my whole life. So um, my wife actually helped me get going. There was a uh, competition in New York that I told her about. And then I thought, you know, I'll, they're never going to pick me, so I'm not going to send my stuff. And my wife insisted that I send my couple paintings to this gallery in New York. So I sent it, and I got in the gallery to my shock and amazement. And then there was another competition. The second one I entered was in um, Colorado, and I won first prize. Wow. So I thought, wow. wow. Amazing. Amazing. I thought, maybe, I, maybe I could be an artist. So that, that was about six years ago, and I've been painting ever since, having a really good time. And the first public place that I showed my art was an art fair in a town called Evanston, which is right near Chicago. And I had my stuff priced for um, my experience. I had all my paintings priced at $75. So the canvas cost about 20 bucks, <laughs> and the, you know the paints or whatever. And I sold like, I don't know, over 10 paintings. I was like, wow. <laughs> uh, for people not in the art world, 75 is pretty cheap for a painting. Yeah, very cheap. Uh, <laughs> but it was a good experience. I had a lot of fun. And then I um, got in a couple galleries in New York and was able to uh, get a lot more than $75. Um, and I've been working at it ever since. I'm in some galleries and. Miami and Chicago and in New York and I go to shows like the one where I was lucky enough to meet Chris and I'm just having a really good time as an artist. That's awesome. So hey, you're if you can remember back to the first time you you hung your work and had someone see it. What were you feeling? What was that like? That was at the Gallery in New York. I took my family to New York to mm -hmm. celebrate and it was so much fun seeing the painting on the wall and having people look at it. And I just kind of stood around listening to all the comments and it was really fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'll I, I think that that was the most terrifying thing that I've ever done personally. And I I've done a lot of terrifying things in my life, you know, <laughs> I had to like brave myself to do things like, you know, speak in front of very, very large crowds, all of that. But the first time that I had people look at my art i was like oh my god it just feels like your soul is hanging on the wall so were you mostly worried about negative comments or I, it wasn't that i wasn't i wasn't worried about negative comments it was just it was just like really personal it's something like that i made it's just like i, I was not worried I, I i always think that people are going to like things because they like them not not as much relevant, I guess, to me, but it was just the more the creation aspect and sharing what I created publicly for the first time. Now I'm used to it now, but it was that first time I was just terrified. There's an artist whose name is Mark Rothko, famous yes. artist in dead now. And he painted uh, some of his most iconic paintings, uh, a series of them, and he sold them to a restaurant for a million dollars in the Seagram's building in New York. 
and they hung up there and he went to go see him and he was so angry and terrified and he offered to buy him back for more than they paid because he didn't want people eating dinner and looking at his paintings. <laughs> that's wow. awesome. That's that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I, I think uh, in uh, a lot yeah. of the conversations uh, we have, Robert, through our podcast, we talk a lot about um, life's transitions and uh, having the um, courage, the determination, or that inflection point where we take the first step towards doing something that really brings us joy. And, uh, you know, that first step is very hard, whatever it is, learning a sport, talking in front of an audience showing your art and um and it's great to hear that you have taken that step and uh, you are creating beautiful art. Um, I had a chance to uh, go look at your website um, and uh, robertfrankelart.com. Uh, and I love your tagline that says, enter a world filled with color, shapes, and joy. So what I am curious is, um, what inspires your art? What is that uh, creative process is like for you? Um, does it change? Uh, you get inspired? inspiration from certain places. Uh, how does that work? Boy, that's a really hard question. Um, I like to think of myself as a happy person and art, when I'm making art, it makes me happy. And for me, art, making art is kind of a good reflection on life because there's always ups and downs and there's always challenges. And when you start out with art, you, for me, I just either take a pencil and draw some lines around or throw some paint on the canvas and kind of doodle it around a little bit, similar to what I was doing in the third grade on a piece of notebook paper. And that's kind of the fun part of it. And then you kind of say, where do I go next with it? And that's the first challenge is, what do I do next? And there's always a self-doubt. Oh, this will never work. I'm going to stop. And then I think, well, I paid 40 bucks for this canvas, I better keep on going. So I put it aside for a little bit, come back to it, keep working on it. And then it kind of magically turns into something. Um, like Chris, I listen to music while I paint and I usually spaced out while I'm painting. And then at the end, there's another challenge. It's kind of working, but there's something in it that's not working. And that's really the hardest part of the painting is the last piece of the puzzle. And if you think about how to make it work, it never works. The only way to make it work is to not think about it and let it happen. And for me, that's a really good metaphor for life because if you try to force things, things don't work. And if you just kind of relax and let things happen and you can kind of have an overarching goal or aim, but just kind of open up and let the universe do it. I know that sounds really kind of stupid, but it really works. And that's totally. how that's yeah. how I work with art. It 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 really does, and it is hard to explain that. But I think we all have experienced it, where we maybe tried very hard to architect a particular outcome, and we worked hard for it. We tried to engineer it, and it just may not have worked. And uh, you sometimes let it go and go with the flow of life, and it turns out things line up for you. So it is hard to explain why and how. Um, but I completely get what you're saying. Um, 
And I think it's a more um, relaxed, happy and joyful place to be, um, to go with the flow, be in the present moment and just enjoy whatever hand that you're dealt with at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And things always don't work out like the paintings. Right. All the paintings don't Mm -hmm. work out. And, you know, eventually maybe they will if you go over them enough (laughs) with 10 layers of paint. But, um, you know, life is the same way. You just got to go with it and you know, everyone hits a road bump and it happens. Right. So, I mean, I think uh, uh, we also read and try to appreciate a bit, a little bit um, healing part, you know, aspect of art. Um, Not everybody is going to be able to uh, create beautiful art that will be um, hanging on a wall somewhere. Um, But at the same time, um, you know, there's a lot of research, I think, that shows um, even if you doodle by yourself or even if you do an adult coloring book, it it kind of is a good way to calm yourself and, uh, you know, bring yourself to the present moment. What are your thoughts on just the average person, um, you know, dabbling into um, drawing art, um, even enjoying it, um, uh, and uh, it just just doing something? Uh, I don't think I really have any special talent uh, other than um, I can doodle. I always could doodle. That's my talent. So I think anyone could really do it. It's just trying it. Um, it just takes whether it's art or whatever else you want to do, it's not about reaching a certain level of accomplishment. It's about just having fun and doing it. Yeah, I, I, I love it. That sounds like my game of tennis. Uh, it's just you enjoy it and you may not, uh, uh, you know, be an Australian Open, but you're enjoying it and, uh, and uh, you know, um, bringing joy to yourself and others around you. That sounds great. You, you know what? You can have... I always used to tell my kids, whatever you do, you can have fun at any level. Um, I'm never going to be Picasso. You know, my kids, when they were doing sports, were never going to be Michael Jordan or whatever they, sports they were in. But you just got to do it and have fun. Yeah. I wonder, too, from looking at your art, if some of the your past career of, of structures and um you know, just even construction and being able to see the bones of something, if that carries over into your art, because you have some some linear shapes, you have some um, kind of curvy and fun shapes, which might be more the creative side. Have you thought at all about that connection? Yeah, uh, in my I was always really interested in like structure. That was mm-hmm. always kind of intriguing to me. And I have a lot of early artwork, which you haven't seen, which were kind of abstracts or buildings. And mm. that definitely came from looking at structural drawings and things like that. And I always had fun, even when I was doodling as a little kid, making squares and putting squares on top of other squares and, you know, kind of early prototype buildings. Yeah, yeah. But you still have the fun in there, which I really like about your work, because there is like some sometimes you can see an animal if you, you know, if you if your brain is connected in that way to to bring that forward or um, other things. And sometimes you just see a beautiful, beautiful shapes, beautiful shapes. What's fun about making it is you don't even know what you're doing. Like after I finished a painting, I said, did I do that? I could never do that again. Wow. Yeah. I've had that experience too. If you look back at some of your work, you know, in, in the back, you know, storage area and you pull things out and like, oh my God, I don't even remember creating it. 
like, cause you're so in the zone. And so, like you said, the, like the intuition is more driving the process than actually you thinking about planning something and painting from there. Right. Yeah. Well, it's really fun when you say, how did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and how about the colors? You're drawn to a lot of bright colors. Is is that just by design or have you, you know, done? I, I have no idea. They just, it just kind of all came out when I started. Oh, I forgot to tell you. So it really jump started my art careers. My wife bought me paints you know, mm-hmm. before my art career was limited to colored pencils and pens. So a big step was getting the paints. But I was always just having fun with colors. I don't know what it is, but I always enjoyed working with colors. Nice. What what I think I'm also um, hearing, Robert, in your story, which is amazing, is uh, you have a very supportive partner. Uh, She has been supporting you along the way, encouraging you to send your first uh, artwork to exhibit in New York and Colorado and paints. I I think um, there's something to really uh, think about there, whether it's your partner, your family, your friend. um, That kind of encouragement um, probably goes a long way, especially in early stages of uh, experimenting what uh, may be new. Yeah, Mo, my wife definitely has given me little nudges along the way to get my art career and my life uh, in better shape than it would have been without her. So she's been a big help. (laughs) Nice. We have some questions that sometimes we ask guests, like between you and Mo, who stacks the dishwasher better? Uh, I think I do definitely, but she might disagree. (laughs) Well, I I, 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 I was going to say it has to be you because you uh, have a thing with structures and uh, shapes. So um, you, you may do a good job of stacking, I'm thinking. Well, it's an engineering uh, challenge, but my wife yes. is German, so she has a lot of that engineering in her blood. But Oh, yeah, that would be a good match to see. <laughs> the, the dishwasher stacking matchup. <laughs> Who does yeah. it better? <laughs> That's actually kind of, I, I Do we have a it. new reality show that we just created? That could, could be. It's actually kind of fun to load the dishwasher. <laughs> it is? It, well, it is an optimization problem, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, how much can you load without breaking stuff uh, and, exactly. and turn it on? Can you make it last overnight <laughs> or uh, it's a challenge? <laughs> Good fun. So if you think about your your art journey and you've seen your work evolve uh, over time, is there anything that you're planning to do or trying to bring more of into your art? Or are you just going to go with the flow as you have been and see how it evolves? Well, I'm doing both. You know, as an artist, it's kind of fun to get traction in the art world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the old conflict is, you know, do you give up your principles to do whatever? I have a gallery in New York who told me I need to mute the colors a little bit because people who want to hang it in their offices or maybe even their homes don't want those colors. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find out as an artist kind of how to get traction, you know, a style or whatever. And at the same time, you know, I don't, I'm not really talking about my artist integrity is so important or whatever, but kind of let what's inside out, but at the same time, figure out a little niche to, you know, get a little traction in the art world. Yeah. Do you follow Rick Rubin at all? He's um, a creator, has has coached a lot of musicians. 
like the the best musical artist in the world. He's he's mentored and he's he's pretty amazing. I just when you just said that, I heard a quote from him yesterday and not not to change your plan, but he basically said the minute you stop creating for yourself, it's not art anymore. You know, there probably is something to that. Mm-hmm. So there probably is something to yeah, that. Yeah, he goes, it's more, it's commercial, it's, he basically said in the quote, it's commercialism. I'll send you, I'll send you his little video, but he says a lot of things that just, I think, tap to the core of what creatives are and should be. And, you know, when you listen, when you just listen to who, who you are and what you have to give, that's, that's when it's the best work, I think. It is hard, though, because I think there's a definite tension there because you want it to be the best expression of yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. Also create that niche that um, at least a segment of the population appreciates and likes. Uh, but if you are especially under pressure to monetize or are interested in being scalable, popular, global, then you may be swayed by the opinions of others, at which point it may compromise um, your creative process. So I think yeah. it's a it's a big tension, especially in the age of social media when uh, you may be getting so much feedback it it may uh, amplify the uh, challenge yeah and to go full circle i think that's probably why mark rothko bought back his paintings he didn't want them hanging in they went selling selling back to him but there is one other positive aspect of trying Uh to do that as i you know listen to other people i actually learned some other skills in making Mm. art that i hadn't considered before Okay. So, Tell us more about that. Give us an example of that. Like I just finished a series of kind of more what I would call somber paintings. And, mm-hmm. you know, with everything going on in the world, it's kind of a somber time. True. But I learned, I never really learned how to mix somber colors, you know, mixing like grays and browns and blacks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I actually learned quite a, you know, bit about more about colors in you know taking that um tact yeah so you know there is there is stuff you can also learn to help you grow more as an artist also right on the the positive side of that equation yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, look, looking at things a little differently that can uh, ignite the creative process in a different dimension. Um, so um, as we wind down towards our time together, one thing, uh, Robert, I would love for you to share is um, how can our uh, listeners um, uh, experience your artwork um, and what is the best way for them to uh, uh, feel the joy that I think uh, your artwork is bringing to those around you? Well, I have a website, robertfrankelart.com, and I have an Instagram account, at robertfrankelart. And if any of your listeners are in Miami, I'm currently at the Gallery Azul, A-Z-U-L, in Miami, during Art Miami Week. Nice. I'm sorry, Gallery Azur, A-Z-U-R, sorry about that. Okay, that sounds like fun, Miami Art Week. Uh, I'm not going, but it, but the paintings are there. <laughs> oh, okay. Your paintings are traveling, but not you. They're, okay, they're I see. Now, yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Congratulations. That sounds uh, terrific. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and we're thinking about collaborating on something in Chicago. So if that comes to fruition, we'll we'll let you know. <laughs> Robert's got a show coming up. What April eleventh, fourteenth? Uh, Mid April. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Nice. Well, such a pleasure. So fun. And I think for the listeners, if we sum up some of the, the high points is, is do what you love, right? Find a way to do what you love. You know, all you have is your time. So if you're not using it to good purpose, you're kind of wasting it. That's right. That's right. You never get it back. Nope. All right. Well, we so enjoyed having you on the show, Robbie. Thanks so much for stopping by. And for those of you listening, um, please remember to share the Refirement Life podcast with your friends. We always love reviews also that helps others discover these conversations. And with that, we'll sign off. Thanks for inviting me. Till the next time. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Our hope is to spark a little joy, inspire, and educate our listeners in ways to live an even more meaningful life. If you have reactions to share from what you've heard, please visit our website, refirement.life, to leave a voice message. You may even be featured in a future episode. To keep in touch, subscribe to our podcast, Refirement Life, using the podcast player of your choice. Always remember, you are never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. Thanks again for joining us on this episode. Until next time.